Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your bi-weekly true crime paranormal podcast with me, Blake Lambert Hack. I have a very special guest with me. She's a friend of mine and she can't wait to be here. <laughs> and welcome, Thank Isadora. You. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me <laughs> on this special little episode. My very first podcast ever. That's exciting. Yeah. I always start out asking podcast uh, guests two things. Okay. A, do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Easy, (laughs) right out the gate. Uh, And two, how would you describe a ghost? Mm, To me, it's more of an energy. Okay. I have personally seen, like, a visual. Okay. But I always wonder if that's just, like, my brain's interpretation of what I'm feeling or seeing. Yeah. And just, like, my brain making up. Not necessarily making up, but, like, that's how I'm interpreting it okay. as. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it's always been, like, a, a feeling physically. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll talk about what you saw yeah. later down the line. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are... So, previously, I used to do one season per city. Okay. Now I'm jumping around all over the world. Every episode, you never know where we're flying to. I love that. This episode, we're going to New Orleans. Okay. Have you been to New Orleans? I haven't, but I actually had roommates that were from New Orleans that oh. I just spoke about last night. Okay. Not knowing that we were going to be in New Orleans today. Um, but yeah, I've always wanted to go to New Orleans. Do you know anything about New Orleans? Just Mardi Gras and Fair. <laughs> the good food. I and really... like, I know there's a lot of history yeah. in New Orleans. It's just old as fuck. Yeah, yeah. I would love to go to Mardi Gras. Me too. One day. Yeah. We'll okay. have to make that happen. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> Easiest. Yeah, let's do it. I had a friend that used to live there, and the one time I've been in New Orleans is I was visiting her, uh-huh. and she said, I would love for you to visit. She's a jazz musician, uh, and there's great jazz music there. Absolutely. Well, that too, yeah. Right. And they were like, you come whenever you want, just don't come in the summer. It's too hot. Oh. Specifically, stay away from June and July. Okay. It's unsufferable. Good to know. Especially being from Chicago, it's yeah. like, it's too hot in New Orleans. Yeah. I went in June, and I wanted to murder myself. Really? Stepping off that plane, I just immediately started Is dripping it super sweat. Humid? Yeah, it's like yeah. on the Gulf. It's just okay. so hot. Yeah. But Mardi Gras, I don't think is during that time. No, Mardi so Gras, fine. I think is like February. So we'd be safe. We're safe. Yeah. Or no, it's Mar- March, February, Something like March. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about the jazz music too. Yeah, it's great. And whenever I think of New Orleans, I think of color. Okay, like, yeah. Like very colorful, all the photos that I've seen from yeah, yeah, like yeah. the downtown area. It just feels like very rich in culture, history. That's fair. So I mean, to... you brought up the food, and the food yeah. is insane. Oh, I'm like, sure. Like, Creole food is so fucking good. Yeah. And I know that there's, like, no laws at, about drinking, really, in the streets. So I got you... off the plane, <laughs> and yes, I was sweating the moment I got off the plane, but I immediately went downtown uh, New Orleans and grabbed a hurricane mm-hmm. and walked around New yeah. Orleans and drinking a hurricane. Like, drinking on the street. <laughs> <laughs> love yeah, it, yeah. love it, love it, love it. It's like New York, but like here it's because you can't have rules. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there, there just are no rules. Very that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it does remind me of Savannah, Georgia, okay. which I've been to f- very frequently. Yeah. Uh, they're just very old cities, yes. a lot of history. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, 
beautiful. Mm, I love visiting. We'll have to to go. go. The story we're going to be talking about tonight is rough, for lack of better terms. Uh, It's a very well-known story if you are from New Orleans Mm -hmm. or if you have any interest in the subject. Uh, But I had a, I want to bring a heavy hitter. So let's do it. I'm prepared. It's intense. So as long as you're ready. I'm emotionally preparing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay. I keep thinking you said food and I just want gumbo. I want shrimp and grits. I want beignets. I want it all. Okay. Also, okay. Sorry to keep this before we start the story. But when I was there, I'm obsessed with ghost tours. I've take a ghost tour in every city I've ever been to. Yeah, you told me. Not New York yet, but I've been looking them up recently and I want to go. Uh, New Orleans, we did a walking ghost tour. It was me, my mom, my brother, and my grandma. And halfway through, it started to pour. Just, we were drenched. And the tour guide was like, well, you can continue with me through the rain because it's my job and I have to do it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or you can park on this uh, pub stool and hang out here the rest of the night. Yeah. We continue with the ghost tour. Right. And so the story I'm about to tell you is a story I learned about in thunderstorms, torrential downpour, soaking wet while I learned about this story. Okay, so, <laughs> so that was the vibe. That's the vibe. <laughs> okay, okay. That, like, the universe wanted you to learn that in that environment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it doesn't torrential downpour in here. <laughs> oh my god, no, but I do love a thunderstorm. I do too. There was one last night. Were you awake? I was falling asleep to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was awake. And it was... I was in the car and we couldn't get out of the car because it was down. Yes. Like it was, I knew, I was like, I can't get so, out because I'm going to be drenched. After work. It was sheets of water. It was just, I felt a couple drops on my way from the train to my apartment. Mm-hmm. And I ordered food, of course. Mm-hmm. This is probably 1 a.m. Yeah. Uh, I went downstairs to grab the food and I didn't realize it was pouring so hard. And so when I got there... The uh, driver was like, oh. "Hey, just give me a minute so I don't get your bag wet." Well, I'm because it would have been soaking wet yeah, by the time. T- all the food. Yeah. <laughs> the three steps to my front yeah, door. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, it was like hurricane it was type. Crazy. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, New Orleans. Speaking of hurricanes, New Orleans. It is considered one of, if not the most haunted city in the United States. Okay. Which is a little exciting. Uh. Definitely make it a city to check out. But I will be eventually covering a lot of cases from New Orleans because there is a lot to cover. Okay. This is the first? This is the first. Ooh. So the infamous case that we are covering is going to be the haunted house of the La Lor... I hate French. I've said it on this podcast before. I don't do French. I hate French. It's not in my vocabulary. Both my roommates both are taking Duolingo French shit. Why? Well, Brendan. Well, why, well he's a song. Brendan makes mm-hmm. sense, and he actually speaks French really well. Okay. But I'm like, y'all drive me crazy. Yeah. This is the La Lorie Mansion. Okay. So moving forward, don't ever expect me to pronounce any of these words correctly. Okay. But the her last name, her married last name, is La Lorie. La Lorie. Yes. No. La Lorie. Okay, it's April 10th. <laughs> 1834, so we're taking it back, in the neighborhood of Vucare, which 
is a cocktail I want to try, apparently. Oh. Because I was doing the research, and I brought it up, and I was like, Brendan, how do you pronounce this? And he told me. And he's like, what are you researching, cocktails? I was like, no, oh. this is a neighborhood in New Orleans. He's like, oh, it's a whiskey cocktail. Ooh, and what it does it have? sounds really good. I think it's Benedictine whiskey. No, uh, the Vucure is rye whiskey, cognac, sweet vermouth, Benedictine, and uh, a bitter I'm not going to pronounce. Ooh. Yes. I would, I think, is it going to be more liquor forward or is it kind of shaken? I don't think it's shaken. Does it look like clear, kind of, or does it look more cloudy? It's stirred. Oh. In a chilled glass, served in a cocktail glass, garnish, orange zest, cherry. Mm-hmm. It looks like an old fashioned. Like an old fashioned. Okay. Ooh, but I think that would be so much yeah. better than. Oh, that's how you spell it? Yeah, that's oh. how you spell it. Yeah, I would have never. <laughs> exactly. Known that. Sorry to all the French people out there, but. We're a disgrace. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, we're. It, this. Just takes place in that neighborhood, Vucare. Okay. <laughs> Which means old square, by the way. Oh, okay. Good to know. Uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. In the early morning, April 10th, 1834, a fire breaks out in the stunning mansion owned by socialite Delphine LaLaurie. The fire is quickly spreading, so LaLaurie tries to save some of her most prized possessions, including some furniture. You know, just her favorite things. Okay. Uh... Let me show you a picture of this mansion really quick. I would love to see. I say mansion, but y'all have to remember this is 1800s in the United States. We're a brand new country at this point. Yeah, so yeah. don't think so castle. It's, don't think. It's a <laughs> like, large home. Yeah. And again, okay, so I'll talk about this later in, on in the podcast, but uh, the house, this is like rebuilt, but that's what the house looks like today. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. downtown New Orleans. Wow, I can I can envision. Yeah, there's like a courtyard in the back. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really pretty. See, I would really love the architecture in New Orleans yes. too. Yes, yes. Because I really enjoy architecture. Uh, for those who don't know what it looks like, it's like three stories. There's that stereotypical like New Orleans balcony on the second floor that mm-hmm. wraps around the entire building. It's on a corner. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Go check out Instagram. I post all my photos there. But yeah. Okay. That's what it looks like. Okay. A fire. There's a fire. Okay. Early morning. She's trying to save all her favorite things. She's wealthy. She has a lot of great, beautiful items in her house. People from all over New Orleans run to help the firefighters put out the fire and rescue anyone that may still be inside the mansion. She lives with her two daughters, two of her daughters. Okay. Uh, and her husband. Okay. The fire is swiftly extinguished. However, the mansion has some significant damage. When police and fire marshals enter the mansion, they discover a 70-year-old woman in the kitchen. She's still alive, but she couldn't get out of the house because she was chained by her ankle to the stove. Hmm. When questioned, the elderly enslaved woman said she set the fire because dying would have been better than enduring any more punishment from Delphine LaLaurie. She told the police that there were other enslaved people trapped in the attic that Mm -hmm. needed saving. She led 
the bystanders to the door of the attic. However, it was locked, and the LaLauries refused to hand over the key. They decided to break down the door, and when they did, they discovered a horrific scene. Okay, tell me your thoughts so far. I mean, this is a big plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like an heiress, like that's LaLaurie, Miss LaLaurie. That's yeah. That's the last name, right? Like, yeah, yeah, And that's just not at all was I, what I was expecting. Yeah. I was expecting that somebody of the family would maybe be dead or like something like that. Right. Like a, But a, now this is a prisoner yes. situation. Yes. And I also am curious to find out why this woman was chained to the kitchen yeah like to the stove yeah for and i guess survived too yeah and she was the one that set the fire she was essentially trying to die of suicide but the fact that she survived yeah that's questionable to me okay i'm going to read some quotes okay some of it is graphic so if you do want to like skip this part of the podcast go ahead a minute or so uh, also, these quotes are from the early 1800s, so today's language would be a little different, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll leave it at that, okay? According to the newspaper, New Orleans B, on April 11th, 1834, they stated, quote, seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, suspended by the neck, with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other, unquote. That's what they found in the attic of Miss LaLaurie's mansion. Wow. Yeah. Author Harriet Martineau. Sorry, I'm speaking (laughs) French again, but I'm so sorry, Harriet. But she wrote in 1838, quote, of the nine slaves, the two, uh, quote, of the nine slaves, the skeletons of two were afterward found poked into the ground. (gasps) The other seven could scarcely be recognized as human. Oh my god. Their faces had the wildness of famine and their bones were coming through the skin. They were chained and tied in constrained postures, some on their knees, some on their hands above their heads. They had iron co- iron collars with spikes which kept their heads in one position. The cowhide, stiff with blood, hung against the wall. And there was a stepladder on which this fiend stood while flogging her victims in order to lay on the lashes with more effect. Early morning, it was her first employment after breakfast to lock herself in with her captives and flog them till her strength failed. Unquote. So that's the scene of the crime. Wow. Essentially. So... Police, you know, firefighters, police are like, okay, the scene the scene is a fire. Yeah. Hopefully everyone got out alive. Yeah. But come to find out there's something more horrific happening yeah. behind closed doors. And they come upon this. Right. Delphine Lollery is a socialite. Everybody in town knows who she is. She's wealthy. People love her. She throws dinner parties all the oh, time. My word. And yes, it's the early eighteen hundreds. Enslaved people was common normal yeah especially in the south yeah it was just going on a lot yeah we know where these people came from they she didn't necessarily kidnap these people okay but we'll get into it a little bit later 
which might clear up some things. Okay. So seeing the state of these enslaved people made the crowd furious. Yeah. Not just the police and the firefighters, but like the town, her neighbors. The town's yeah. people. Even though slavery was legal at this point, there were laws about the treatment of enslaved people. So seeing seven people on the brink of death truly caused an uproar. So much so that LaLaurie, with her two daughters, locked themselves in the burnt house. Outside, the streets were lined with yelling crowds. She talked with her coachman, and he advised her to escape if the crowd didn't calm down. After dinner, she got into her carriage, but the crowd immediately tried holding the horses and turned the carriage over. Wow. Somehow, the coachman was able to break free from the crowd and brought LaLaurie and her daughters to the shore where they bribed the master of a schooner who took her to France. The mob caught up with the carriage and trashed what was left of it. They tossed the pieces into the swamp, stabbed the horses, and left them for dead on the side of the road, and did the same to LaLaurie's house. They completely trashed her house, destroyed it. The coachman was never seen from again, The seven victims that were trapped in the attic were taken to jail, where 4,000 people showed up to see the treatment of these seven enslaved people, to see if the rumors were true. Yeah. And within the week, two more of the victims died. My gosh. After LaLaurie's mansion was destroyed, officials came in to see if they could figure out what had happened. And if there were any more enslaved people trapped in the house, uh, they heard rumors that someone was buried in the courtyard. And sure enough, after doing some digging, two bodies were found, including a young girl named Leah. But I'm going to talk more about that later. Okay. So essentially, who is Dauphine LaLaurie? She is now in France. She escaped this mob that was trying to ran after yeah, yeah because of her treatment okay feelings so far before we go into who she was and there's a lot of twists and turns yes <laughs> i am interested to know why the slaves were brought to jail rather than yeah taken into like to be well i think at the time there wasn't necessarily like hospitals right to treat them. Yeah. And I think it was to keep them, like, safe, guess, more or less. Yeah, safe, because they're right. protected, quote-unquote, by authorities. But... Right. Wow. And yes. so how many deaths are total at this point? So we have two that were found dead in the attic. Yep. Uh, two people that died, died from injuries after being... Yeah. And then two that were found buried in her courtyard. Right. So we're at six so far. Wow. Yes. Uh, I also think part of it is even though, you know, unfortunately it is the time and I think they were still considered her property, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. So I think that's another reason why they were held. Kind of captive again. Kind of, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Horrible. And so she was able to flee the scene unscathed pretty much. Yes. Yes. And her two daughters. Yes. And the husband. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. We're already, like, it's intense where we started. So let's back it up. Delphine. Born March 19th, 1787 as Marie Delphine McCarthy in New Orleans, Louisiana. New Orleans was founded by the French in 1718, which is why there's a lot of people that speak French there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Spanish took control of the city in the late 1700s to early 1800s, meaning Delphine was born during Spanish rule. Okay. It also was not like part of the United States at this point. Mm -hmm. It was like the Louisiana Territory. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me or don't. Test me on my history. That about history class. (laughs) Exactly. Not really. (laughs) Exactly. It was before it became a state. (laughs) It was a territory. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The Spanish did give it back to the French, who then sold it to the United States in 1803. Fun, quick little history lesson. Love. (laughs) When Delphine was born. New Orleans was the largest port in the southern United States, exporting most of the nation's cotton, which is why there also was, like, a lot of slavery there. Delphine was one of five kids. Her father immigrated from Ireland to New Orleans, where he met her mother, again, the last name, McCarthy, Mm -hmm. which when I said it, I was like, that sounds very Irish. And I was like, oh, that's why her dad was Irish. And do we know where her mother was from? Her... Uh, we don't. She was already living in New Orleans when her father met him. Or when, yeah. Yeah. Her uncle was governor of the Spanish American provinces, Mm. or Louisiana, and Florida. And her cousin was mayor of New Orleans, so her family was very prominent in town. Yeah. Like, they had stature. Yeah. They had money. They were in politics, money. They were well known. Yes. A little bit of trauma. Yes. (laughs) Not to be insensitive whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of trauma all the time at this time. 1800s, I would have hated to live during this time. No, I'm very grateful to have... This is the 1700s 1700s, at this point. Yeah. No. I mean, I believe in past lives, so who knows where I was maybe at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, I'm glad I don't have any recollection. Yes. My current state is thrilled to have been born when I was born. Yes. 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 Me as well. Me as well. Nine years later, on June 11th, 1800, she is 13. Delphine married Don Ramon de Lopez y Angulo. So a first husband. Her first husband. She was 13. 13. He was a high-ranking Spanish royal officer so I can only imagine the age difference between 13 and a high ranking. I want to say probably 37. <laughs> yeah, I would not be surprised if wow. he was late 30s, early 40s, yeah. and she's 13. Hmm. Yeah. So four years after their marriage, she was pregnant. They were mm-hmm. traveling. Don Ramon suddenly died in Havana, Cuba. Okay. It's unclear how he died. But a few days later, she gave birth to a girl she called Marie Francois Borja Lopez y Angulo. After her birth, the two returned to New Orleans. Okay. So they were in Cuba. She gives birth in Cuba. Her and her daughter returned okay. to New Orleans after he dies. And she's 17 now. Yes. Four years after that, she's 21. She marries again. 
to Jean Blanc, a banker, lawyer, legislator. He purchased a house on Royal Street, New Orleans, and together they had four children. Oh, wow. Marie, oh, these are the kids' names. And I talk a lot about names on this podcast, especially kids' names. Uh, Marie Louise Pauline. That's first name. Yeah. Okay. That's her... That's her first child, Marie Louise Pauline. Second child is Louise Marie Laurie. No. Her third kid is Marie Louise Jean, Jean, however you want to pronounce mm-hmm. that. And her fourth is Jean Pierre. Okay, I have to interject here because my high school boyfriend, his name was Lawrence Jonathan, and his brother's name was Jonathan Lawrence. <laughs> And I didn't think that was a thing. Isa, that's exactly what this is. Yeah, I know. And it blew my mind. And their father's name was Lawrence Jonathan. No. And so my ex was Lawrence Jonathan II. And I'm like, well, if you're just going to do that, why not just name all three Lawrence Jonathan? (laughs) That's insane. Isn't that so bizarre? I hate it. I, I really don't like that. People who are named at this point in history are mental. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No. I do talk a lot, like, uh, in Europe or, like, specifically the UK and stuff. I would be going through an episode and there would be, like, three Georges. And I'm like, y'all, no. I'm sorry. It's impossible to keep up. Yeah. Here we have her name. I couldn't even tell you what the names are. Delphine's Marie... first name. The, the woman we're talking about, Delphine... Her first name is technically Marie. Marie. Yeah. Delphine is her middle name. She goes by Delphine, but her first name is Marie. Her first daughter, well, her first kid, I don't... It was Marie. It was Marie. Yeah. And so now her second kid is Marie also? Yes. And her fourth kid is Marie also. Why? And her third daughter is Louise Marie. Why? Why? And you know what's strange too <laughs> is that you don't really often hear women naming their children yeah. after them. It's usually men who have the second, the yeah. thirds, Which the juniors. Which I also do not like that No, at I all. agree. Sorry to all. anybody out there that is a junior yeah, or second, not but to, like. <laughs> not to um, be rude. <laughs> I just, just want originality. Me too. And also to dis- have a difference. Yes. Like you, because then I feel like there's pressure. <laughs> Not to get into that. No, but, but comparative. Yeah, 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 yeah. With your siblings, yeah. it's almost or like a built-in. Not in... even pressure with your siblings, but pressure with your parents. Like, well, that to too. live up to who they are. Right. And, well, I will say, I don't think that these children wanted to live up to be, like, their own mother. But <laughs> Fair. <laughs> who knows? Okay, I am going to say that I babysat three kids one time, and their mother named them. Oh, no. And I don't think she'll ever listen to this, but okay. she named, and we're, we're not like family friends anymore, okay. but she named them Forest, River, and- Don't say tree. Tug. No! Tug? What is tug? Like a tugboat. Why did the light just turn off? <laughs> Who's tug? Is tug here? Tug, like a tugboat. Can you believe Forest River and the youngest is Tug? You might as well name the kid Boat (laughs) at that point because Tug is horrific. Forest River, I've met a forest. Same. 
I don't think I've met a river, but like but it where I grew up, it makes sense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I knew a leaf. I knew a forest and a leaf. <laughs> I swear to God. Esau. Yeah, I swear to a God. Leaf? And a rain. And a rain. Rain, I kind of understand. Rain is more, like a little bit more normal, but leaf. Leaf? Yeah, I swear to God. I okay. swear to God. We're going to, we have to move on, but <laughs> I cannot believe. Okay. <laughs> I literally wrote here, I talk mad shit on this podcast about unoriginal names. <laughs> okay. But this may take the cake. Yeah, That's that, what I, okay. I think that has to take the cake. Okay. <laughs> um, her second husband dies as well. Okay. This is all just being a little bit sketchy. Sketchy. Right. Okay. Nine years after the death of her second husband, she married physician Leonard Lewis Nicholas Lalaurie. Okay. That's how we get Leonard Lewis Nicholas. It's just like yeah. never ending. Too many first names. He was, so up until this point, she always married older. Mm-hmm. This guy was 15 years younger than Delphine. So. Okay. So now she's trying something different. Yes. She she was like, my husbands keep dying. Let me marry Why younger this time. Them one or the other. <laughs> uh, at this point, her family's wealthy. She married two wealthy men. You know, yeah, part of the military, and then also the second guy was a lawyer and a banker and a legislator. He also had money. Okay. So she, and then at the time when you die, if you. I don't know if wills were... I don't know the history of wills, but your money and property always went to your spouse. Mm-hmm. So, like, she's breaking she's, in all this money and oh, she just yeah. has a lot of money. Yeah. So, whether she did it, whether she killed him or not, like, she just, just has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, she bought her own property at 1140 Royal Street, about 10 blocks north of her previous home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Leonard had no like little to no involvement with this purchase like she did it on her own which mm-hmm. is wild for the 1800s yeah like a woman buying her buying own her house own property yeah and this mansion yeah wild i wonder if she was respected in the community i think she was because because of her family and she also made a point of like hosting these lavish dinner parties all yeah. the time and yeah. like she wanted to make herself like that it was a two-story mansion built there, and her and her husband and her and two of her kids lived into this in this house that we're talking about. Okay. So it's two stories. Today it's like a three-story type situation. Mm-hmm. At the time it was two-story, uh, and then two of her. I think they were both daughters moved in with her. Okay. Uh, after a while, the marriage was kind of on the struggle bus. They separated, but they never divorced. Okay. Even though he didn't live in the house, he would still visit often, including the day of the fire. Hmm. Uh, what's wild is that by the time Leonard was born, Delphine was already in her first marriage. So I just like, to, I want to throw that out okay. there. <laughs> so she, and you said she was 15. She was 13 when. Well, she was 15 years older than him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also some sources say they had a son together. So it's kind of hard to really... The documentation back then was not, it's not clear. Yeah. So it's hard to really gauge. Right. So she may have had a f- sixth child 
It's unclear. Okay. But she would have also been, like, up there in age. So I don't know. Well, was she, though? Because she had her first child at 17. She was 21 for her second marriage. Nine years after that would have been 30. She would have been late 30s, I think. Okay. So I guess it's possible. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Okay, anyway. So with this large house, the house owned by a woman, I I wrote here that I think of LaLaurie as a real housewife. (laughs) Oh my god. She threw all kinds of social events. She was a socialite. But with this new house, she needed, quote unquote, enslaved people to maintain the house. Mm -hmm. Like today we pay people for that. But back then, yeah, you know. Uh, However, between 1831 and 1834, she was beginning to gain a reputation when it came to the treatment of the enslaved people working in her house. Hmm. Even though LaLaurie would treat the enslaved people nicely and with respect in front of people. I mean, that phrase is contradictory because like... Obviously. Having enslaved people in your house is... Is already not Right, not respectful, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but to the people, like, to people who were at the dinner parties and stuff, she treated them respectably, quote-unquote. But again, it was only to people, like, to the public, and it was all a show. Mm-hmm. As... Well, I'm sure, like, obviously, the enslaved people were able to communicate with other enslaved people from oh, other homes. And absolutely. So word gets out. Yes, and yeah. that's how people find out about things. Yes. But also, the way the people working in her house looked did not match with the way she would talk to them mm-hmm. in front of people. Mm-hmm. So they would look, quote, haggard and wretched, mm-hmm. except the coachman whose appearance was sleek and comfortable, mm-hmm. unquote. So even though she was talking to them nicely in front of people, they looked like they had not been, been treated well. Yeah, yeah. These rumors spread around town, and enough people were questioning LaLaurie that she freed two of the people she enslaved. So she actually, there's documentation that mm-hmm. she freed them, like she let them go, go and like live their life and stuff like that. Yeah. However, that was not enough to get the attention off of her. The law at the time stated that if the enslaved were cruelly treated, they would be removed from the home and sold for the benefit of the state. A young man was sent to check in on the enslaved people in LaLaurie's house and came back saying that she could not harm a fly, let alone a human. Hmm. Sure. So she knew how to work her way around. Yes. Also, again, she's up there, so I'm sure she had sway with... Certain communities, yeah. Exactly. However, not long after, a neighbor heard a shriek. Mm. When she looked out her window, she saw a young girl between 8 and 12 years old running away from LaLaurie who had a cow hide in hand. I think that's their way of saying a wit. Yeah. She was chasing one of her enslaved girls. The neighbor stood in her house and watched as LaLaurie chased this girl to the roof of the mansion The girl got too close to the edge of the roof, and in fear of what she may see, the neighbor covered her eyes. 
but she heard the little girl hit the ground. No one knows if the girl slipped and fell or if she was pushed or if she was or if she jumped, but her body was put in a shallow grave on the Lalaurie property in the uh, like courtyard area. The neighbor who did absolutely nothing to help in the moment right. told what she had witnessed to authorities, authorities and Lalaurie was found to have conducted illegal cruelty. Nine enslaved people were taken out of Lalaurie's home because of the way she treated them, which is something positive yeah. for the time. People were actually taken out of a but, but horrible situation. But to say how horribly they must have been treated. Yes. Yes. Because that is a huge deal, I feel, at yes. that time. Yes. Absolutely. After they were taken out, you know, the law states they'll be resold and money will go to the state, Mm -hmm. etc. Later, it was discovered that LaLaurie convinced family members to purchase the nine people and Mm -hmm. sell them back to LaLaurie. Historians believe that the only motive for this must have been to torture the nine enslaved people because they could never be seen by the public since all knew those nine weren't legally allowed back in that home. Mm. So she convinced family to sell them back to her. Nine people that would never have been able to see the light of day again, or she would have been arrested probably. Yeah. yeah. Because those nine people were, were taken, were taken out of her away. home. Yeah. So this means these are the nine people that were enslaved in the attic. In yeah. The attic. Wow. And what is the time frame on all of this? Do we know? Uh, like, were, was it years in between? No, I think it was just like months. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Lalaurie's two daughters who lived there would sneak food to the victims, mm. but if ever caught, would get a beating from their mother. She kept the cook changed, chained to the stove, even though guests were in the house. The coachman seemed to be the only enslaved person to get treated well, and it's believed it's because he acted as a spy and would tell LaLaurie everything that happened while she was out of the house or away. This gets us back to the beginning of the story, because the cook couldn't take being chained up any longer. She couldn't take the abuse. She couldn't take just watching everything happen and not being able to do anything about it, essentially. Yeah. She was at her breaking point because she would watch these people be taken up to the attic and never see them ever again. Funeral registers document the death of 12 enslaved people at that mansion. Cause of death was not mentioned. It's believed that infectious disease could have been part of those deaths. Though five of the 12 were... I don't have names for the 12 Mm -hmm. because, of course their enslaved people and documentation back then was shitty or they didn't give a fuck but five of the 12 were uh, a woman named Boone and her four children Juliet, Florence, Jules and Leotine the two who were freed were Jean-Louis and Devins the girl who died from falling off the roof was named Leah Mm -hmm. 
And again, I could not find the, for the life of me, I could not find the names of the nine victims who were trapped and tortured in the attic. Mm -hmm. And that may have been for, you know, nowadays they don't release kids' names to the public to to like save them from ever, you know, when they grow up, they want them to like not be remembered for that. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that was why Why? they didn't document these names, people, nine people's names, but, uh, also, the 1800s and newspapers weren't reporting on details of horrific events. So, in the newspaper, they would have never have like gone into detail about what actually happened. Right. Yeah. Like what I read you earlier is the most any newspaper ever said, which right. was horrible. Which was horrific, but that was probably a huge deal for that to even be right. written. Right. There are a lot of grotesque theories but none actually backed by proof. So if you look up this case, there are a lot of like uh, documentation or not documentation, but like people writing about this story and go into quote unquote details about what the p- people saw in the attic. Yeah. But none of it's really been substantiated. Up, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, some say like these are theories, I guess. Uh, none of them backed up, but some say she wrapped their own intestines around mm-hmm. their bodies. Some say she did a lobotomy and stuck a wooden spoon in the hole. Another where Lollary peeled back the skin of one of her victims. It's a lot. But not again, none of this is actually like based on evidence. Right. And again, that's not to say she didn't do horrible things to yeah. her victims. Yeah. She did. But the most like things that you can't even imagine. Like, right. Think about. I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah, Lalaurie escaped to Paris where she lived a low-key life and died, allegedly. There isn't really a death record for her. Nobody really knows how she died, where she died, what age she was when she died. Mm. It's believed she died in Paris. Her husband and kids also moved to Paris. She was never held responsible for her crimes. Uh, She lived out her days in comfort in Paris. And apparently she had always longed to move back to New Orleans, and she almost did, but her family advised her against it and made her stay in France, which, right, which like, like, why would you, why would you, and you got away whole, with murder and you're going to move torture. back to the city you are accused of wow. doing horrible things? It's wild. She's fucked up. And so, wow, I, I just still can't even believe that she got away with it. Yeah. I always say that I think ghosts, uh, not all ghosts, but most ghosts are here because they didn't get justice justice. for their death. Mm. And we're about to talk about some ghosts in this mansion, but I think a lot of them are there because she got away with it. Yeah. Nobody was held responsible for it. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in a minute to talk about the ghosts that still reside in the LaLaurie Mansion. Perfect.
Okay, are you ready for ghosts? I'm ready. Okay. So the house that stands today, like I was saying earlier, in New Orleans is not the original Lollery house. Right. That house was torn down after the mob left it in disrepair. The destroyed mansion sat empty for decades. People in the neighborhood would hear shrieking coming from the empty house almost daily. Of course, you get the classics like haunted footsteps wandering the house. Mm-hmm. Different people attempted to own the house and it was refurbished, but no one lasted more than a few years. Wow. By the late 1800s, the mansion was turned into tenement apartments for dock workers and their families. Almost immediately, the families that moved in began to hear moaning, screams, The smell of burning flesh. Oh my god. The sounds of scratching under the floorboards. Dragging of chains. One night, after work, one of the dock workers began walking up the stairs only to be stopped by a large black man wrapped in chains standing in the dock worker's way. He screamed and tried to move past the spirit, but his hands went right through the apparition. And no one living in the apartments lasted very long. They all moved out. Right. So, A, have you ever lived in a haunted house, do you think? Not necessarily a haunted house. Okay. But I did live in a house from, like, ages 15 to 18 Mm -hmm. where I saw a ghost. Okay. But it didn't... I didn't feel like a scare... Well... I didn't feel a very comfortable feeling living there, gotcha. but it was never where I felt like I was unsafe. Gotcha. You know? Today, if you moved into an apartment and you like felt something or saw something, do you think you'd stay? Or it depends on what you... It really depends. Okay. So my family's very spiritual, so it's like my mom is always like, do this to make sure bad spirits don't like come into your life type thing so i don't know that it would happen to me but if it did i don't think i would be able to stay because i feel like i'm almost more open to it in a sense where it would like kind of affect me okay yeah that makes sense okay lalaurie herself has been seen walking about the house People on the street who look at the house have said they've seen this woman with red hair staring at them coldly. People who have slept in the house said that they would wake to the same woman standing over them in bed. Oof. That's where I call it. Yeah. I don't necessarily mind. Like, I think I've lived in apartments that have spirits. Yeah. But if I'm waking up to someone I do not know... (laughs) Ghost or real person looking over me, I'm no, I'm losing my mind, and I'm out. Yeah, I'm (laughs) losing my mind. Yes, I also will probably like sentence myself to a a home, (laughs) (laughs) like like it's over. (laughs) I've had people on the podcast talk about having like sleep paralysis, and I that is something that I could not. I, I think I would have a mental breakdown if I had sleep paralysis. It's when you wake up and you can't move, right? Yeah. Okay, my brother said that he had that the other day, and I and he was acting like it was normal. And I'm like, that's... I've never even... Like, I've heard the term, yeah. but I don't 
and I just put two and two together of what it is. Yeah. But I would freak out. Freak out. That's terrifying. And most people who, I don't want to say most, but a lot of people who do experience that see something. Yeah. So it's either at the foot of their bed or oh they like, gosh. it's, I would not be able well, to like handle that. It's like sleepwalking. Sleepwalking is freaky to sleepwalking me. Sleepwalking is terrifying. Sleepwalking, I'm like, you have mental like <laughs> problems, which it's like most people do, but it's like, that's like deep, dark shit yeah. that you're not dealing with to me. It's wild. Yeah. My brother used to have night terrors oh, where he'd just scary. scream bloody murder oh in the God. middle of the night when he was a that's child. That's kind of normal for kids yeah. right here. Yeah, it was. Wow. And, uh, no, too much. Oh my God. <laughs> like, what's going on in that little head of yours? Uh, too much is going on in that little head. Okay. There is the ghost of one of the owners of the house. He apparently died days after moving in and haunts the house looking for his $10,000 he had left behind in the house. Mm-hmm. So anyone that owns the house is essentially like cursed in a way. Mm-hmm. One of the owners lost his pub he owned after buying this house. Another ended up in an asylum. Uh, Another fell into a coma. One man died after a burglary. So if you own this house, it's like... It's it's over. Yeah. Uh, The guy who died after the burglary, his friend, who was questioned by police about the incident said the man was being haunted by a demon who wanted him dead. Oh my gosh. However, the most famous person to own the house was actor Nicolas Cage. What? Who lost the mansion to bankruptcy. (gasps) So. What? (laughs) It's wild. This house. Some may say Nicolas Cage lost his career after buying the house. Wow. Not Nick Cage. Not Nick Cage. Uh... But when I visited the house in 2016, it was privately owned by uh, some wealthy guy who I think only uses it for the weekends Mm -hmm. for like, I don't know, some dumb shit. I don't know. He doesn't actually live there, Okay. but I think he still owns it. For a short period of time, the mansion was used as a school for girls. However, not long after opening, elementary students would go to their teachers crying from scratches on their arms. When the teacher asked who did that to them, the answer was always, quote, that woman. No one knows for sure if LaLaurie was attacking these kids in the afterlife, but since her apparition has been seen about, it's not completely out of the question. On a tour, which, again, these tours don't go inside the house. It's a privately owned house. Yeah. Uh, But they walk by, stand across the street, talk about it. That's what I did mm. in the pouring rain. Uh, there was a medium who was mm. part of this tour guide. Uh, she felt the energy of two ghosts living in the house today. A young boy who loves to play pranks on the living as well as a young ghost girl. Mm. A tour guide in the middle of her monologue about the Lothery mansion. Uh, she felt a tug on her bag. She turned around, but didn't see anyone. A few seconds later, after returning to the discussion, her bag was tugged on again, but a little harder. In a separate tour, uh, there was a woman, the same woman was standing under a streetlight across from the mansion. 
she was telling the story of Leah, the little girl who died in the courtyard. Uh, when she mentioned Leah's name, the streetlight above them, who which had been burnt out for weeks, mm-hmm. it flickered on. Mm-hmm. But when the guide mentioned Leah's name again, the light blew out. <gasps> so that's up for your own interpretation. interpretation. But I yes. Interpret that was Miss Leah. <laughs> <laughs> These are just some of the ghosts that haunt the mansion, yeah. the area. It could be different ghosts in the city because that city's haunted as fuck. Yeah. It could be the spirits in the house. Yeah. But would you visit? I would visit. The Lottery Mansion? Because it's just right outside. Yeah, yeah. But how, what did you feel when you were there? Because you were, the the setting was yes. dark. My only memory of like really feeling anything was like, it was nighttime, it's pouring I just felt like if I was to see anything, it would be somebody staring at me from a window. Mm. You know I mean, I didn't mm. feel anything around me or any, like, I didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, the energy was very much, like, someone standing at a window watching us. Mm-hmm. That kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Not that like someone was, but... you just felt like you were being watched. Yeah. Of, yeah. But that's, like, a common occurrence for me. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it means something. Yeah. Would you buy that house if it came up never no no absolutely you wouldn't knowingly buy a haunted house no if i knew it was haunted absolutely not but like i said i base a lot off energy so if i got a bad vibe from a place i would not purchase it so i'm gonna tell the story and then i want you to tell me your paranormal yes story um when so my grandparent my grandpa uh, traveled for work a lot uh-huh. and he was moving or him my mom her sisters my grandma they were moving from uh Kentucky to St. Louis I think okay. or it was St. Louis to Illinois I'm not sure which move it was but they were doing tours of houses uh-huh. and my grandparents went with the realtor to like check out the house but they were essentially like okay girls go explore the house Tell us what you think. think. Yeah. Yeah. So three girls. I think they were like late elementary, middle school, early high school ages Mm because they're all three years apart. Something like that. Uh, They explore the house. My mom tells it in the sense of just like she got to the basement and felt very uneasy Mm. and couldn't really explain it. But she felt so uneasy that she had to like leave the house. Like she's like, I don't want to be in here. Yeah. When she walked outside, her sister was already out there, and they were like, something did not feel right about that. Mm -hmm. Years later, I guess my grandpa finally tells them that, like, yeah, somebody was murdered in that house, (gasps) and they had no idea that she felt very uneasy in that house, and they're like, they did not buy the house. Yeah, yeah. Did did your grandparents know that somebody had been murdered in that house? I think they found going out. To look at it? I don't think so. I think they found out after. Like, it's one of those things where, like, if you put an offer in something, you have they to disclose or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was one of those. Okay. But, so, mine. Yes. Not to interrupt. No, give it. So, my parents, well, my parents are divorced, and when my mom got, like, together with somebody else, we they purchased a house like in like a couple towns over from where I grew up in Western Massachusetts. Okay. And there, this house had been built in the 1800s. Like we got, it was like the historical society came and like gave us like a packet and showed us like pictures of what it looked like. And it was like brought out like 
the building was done by like horse and carriage. Gotcha. And it was a large house. There was like a barn in the back, but mm-hmm. it didn't like there was no stables in the barn. It was just kind of like a barn. Right. That maybe it was just for like storage of hay or something. Yeah. But um, when we would go into the basement, the basement was all dirt. And I always felt like kind of like weird, but not like a bad vibe. Like it was just like the house was old. Right. And we knew that an older woman had passed away in the house and that in the family sold it for at a very low price because of this. And it was like it happened more recently. Right. But it was just like... And my mom, being spiritual, like, she never felt anything bad. And so, like, we never felt anything bad. And it was probably, like, two years after we bought the house. I think I was, like, 17. And it was around Christmas time. And I was upstairs in my room. And everybody else was downstairs. Like, I was the only one upstairs. And I remember it was, like, a school night. And it was probably like eight o'clock at night. I was just in my room doing my homework Mm -hmm. and it was time to go downstairs for dinner. And I opened the door and this like wind and this like white thing just like passed me like from left to right. And I screamed at the top of my lungs and just started crying. But I wasn't like... How old were you again? I was 17. 17. And I wasn't like super scared, but it was just so shocking to me. And I ran down the stairs and I was like, I just saw a ghost. I just saw a ghost. And everybody was like, really? And I was like, yes, like yeah. I did. And everybody believed me because it was just like, right. I looked like I saw Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> I did. And that was the only experience that I've had of seeing something in real life. Yeah, yeah. But um, I also had a dream. Like I had a friend pass away mm-hmm. and he used to come to me in my dreams all the time. And there was one time where he, like, he had always wanted to be a cop. Mm-hmm. And the last dream I had with him at that time, like, a year after he passed away, he came to me in a cop uniform and was like, thank you for everything. It's time for me to go. And you haven't had a dream since? I did actually have a dream with okay. him more recently. Like, gotcha. probably a month ago. I don't remember what the dream was, but I remember him being in the dream. And what I was, was like, the That's time frame? Like years? Yes. This okay. was, so this happened, he passed away in 2018. And then in 2019, I stopped like dreaming about him. Right. And so now it's, so it's been like four years. Gotcha. Yeah. But it was like, I think the dream was more just like, it wasn't Your like, memory of yeah, him. it was like it's memory. It wasn't like him coming to you like, pr- like very present. Right. Yeah. I think it was like symbolism. Gotcha. But yeah, those are my kind of like ghost stories. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do I think my apartment's haunted? Really? Not that I've seen anything, but my roommate thinks so too. Really? Though we have like different parts of the apartment that feel like I think right by the front door, like I always feel like I'm being watched from there. And he thinks it's a different corner in the apartment. Does he also feel like he's being watched? No. I think his experience more is like there used to be like a cat that used to live in the apartment before I moved in. And the cat would always stare at the corner and just meow like over and over and over again. And so I think he associates that with the cat being like, what the fuck? Hmm. Okay. (laughs) But yeah. Do you feel when you're stepping into your apartment that you're like stepping into someone else's space? 
Uh, not necessarily because I think it was renovated like a few years ago. So Mm -hmm. I think it's like a little different than when, if it is haunted, if this spirit is from, lived in this apartment, it would have been different. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't necessarily seen anything in places I've lived. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why... I'm okay so far, yeah. like, living yeah. in a place like that. Yeah. Everything I've experienced has been, like, other people's homes mm. or places of work. So, like... That's fine to me. Yeah. I mean, it's not the best. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, like you're saying, like, even if you feel that, as long as it's not kind of disturbing your peace, right. in a sense... Right. Like, I'm okay, because I do believe, like, we're not walking this earth alone right you know so it's normal but as long as it's not kind of like a daily occurrence that's when it would affect me that's fair yeah i would say like it would like sounds or something or like even a vision of something i don't think would necessarily bother me Mm -hmm. but if it got physical Mm -hmm. like if i'm Mm -hmm. feeling something no yeah or if if i'm seeing something move yeah. That's where like I'm like... Like a physical, like my water bottle right. or something. Yeah, no. That, or if like I'm being touched or like, yeah, that's, or if my name's being called, that's oh. where I call it. That's where I'm like, okay, this that's has gone a little personal. too far. <laughs> yeah, that's too personal. Have you ever done Ouija? No. I don't want to I ever. think I've told this story on the podcast before, but I was at a secondhand shop with my best friend and we were living together at the time and we were making a mirror wall. And so we were just buying any cool looking mirror Mm -hmm. and we had probably like 10 on the wall so far. It was a big wall. Yeah. And we were in the second hand shop and we saw a really cool one and he picked it up and behind it leaned up against the wall was an old ass Ouija board, like in the worn and torn box. Like it was old. And I was like, Ty, we have to buy this. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I, that is not in my house. Yeah. I'm like, Ty, we but it's it's meant to be and he would not let me buy it at all i don't blame him (laughs) i don't i really want to i really i kind of want to do it but also uh do there's the new movie out called talk to me have you heard of it i have heard of it from you i just saw it today okay and it was have to do with ouija great well it's like a version of ouija to me Mm -hmm. so it's this hand that when you grab the hand, it's like a, it's just like a concrete looking hand with like writing on it or whatever. But mm-hmm. you grab the hand, you say, talk to me and a spirit appears in front of you mm-hmm. and it's different every time. So you don't know who you're going to get, whatever. And you can talk to the spirit, uh, but to like get rid of the spirit, you have to like let go of the hand and blow out the candle to say goodbye. Lighting the candle, saying hello, blowing out the candle, saying goodbye. You have to let go of the hand um so you can say talk to me holding the hand and the spirit will appear you can talk uh and then you can say uh let me in and the spirit will come into you and you'll like kind of like see what what things have happened or experience what like it's different depending Uh um but it can only be like 90 seconds or the spirit might stay with you and it's your responsibility to let go well like in the movie, it's, like, a party setting, so a lot of times people will pull the hand off of you because okay. you're kind of not in the right state to do it yourself. Yeah. So you need somebody else to do it for you. Okay. 
and obviously it goes awry yeah. of course but uh it's the same idea as Ouija where you're yeah. like letting these spirits in to yeah. talk to you and like you have to say goodbye and all this other stuff Oof. that is like the one thing that you and I don't agree on <laughs> not agree but like no yeah that we don't relate on yeah. is horror movies because <laughs> I can talk about it all day but I get scared I mean this movie was creepy really so yeah yes you know it was intense do it. yeah like, I get affected by it yeah and it's not to, it I mean I think sometimes it has affected my sleep that's fair. Yeah. I think I, uh, to a lot of the people in the movie theater today would not shut up. Talking? Like, because they were so, like, either creeped out or, really? like, it was nonstop. Like, so the, it was, like, actually really scary. The couple that was, like, two chairs down from me, the guy was, like, losing it. He <gasps> was just like, oh, my God. And this happened. Oh, my God. And then she's there. And then I was like, <laughs> like giving sir, shut up. <laughs> like, I understand you're, like, engrossed yeah. and you're, like, freaking out. But, like. But you're, like, at that point, just leave. <laughs> just, like, please. Or just, yeah. Watch this in the comfort of your home. <laughs> then there were, like, full-on children behind me. I was like, I don't. What was it rated? I'm sure R. Okay. It wasn't MA. Mm, maybe. But they were probably, like, middle school age kids. Okay. And I'm just like. Ugh, yeah, I just can't do it. That type of movie and, like, Midsummer. See, Midsummer was, like, nothing to me. I didn't, like... That affected me. Midsummer was far too long, and it was I was so just, like... Was <laughs> I so loved long. it. Yeah, And I love Florence good. Pugh, but, like... Yeah, it was just fucked up. Fair, yeah, yeah. Like, those types of movies fucked me up. Because that's more... Not that ghost and, like, paranormal stuff isn't realistic, yeah. but that, to me, feels like it would be more... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, happen more. Well, than... I always say The Strangers is my favorite horror movie because it's so realistic. It's it's all it is is three intruders, and oh. they break into your house, <gasps> and they play, like, mind games with this couple. Oh, like, yeah. it's See, like that's scary to me. Like, the whole movie starts off with knocking on the door, and they open the door, and the girl's like, is Tamara home? And they're like, I think you have the wrong house. And she's like, are you sure? And then he's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, see you later. And she walks away. And then later, there's more knocking. And she's like, is Tamara home? And the guy's like, you already came here. And it's like that kind of like mind games. And then it's like, you'll see somebody standing outside. And then she went to tell her boyfriend. And then she turns back and they're gone. It's like things like that through the whole movie. Like the entire movie is that until it like leads up to this whole, like it's in, it's my favorite horror movie. It's so good, but it's because it creeps me out. Yeah. Like it takes a lot to creep me out. Oh, so maybe I couldn't watch it if you're creeped out by it. I don't think I could do it. Well, only because it's like real. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are people who do fucked up things like that. Like it's not ghosts. I'm just like knock on wood. My thing is to knock on wood that nothing like that ever happens to me. I hope not. I want to yeah. live in my little bubble. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, Isa, thank you for doing this with hey, me. Thank you for having I me. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Like I told you, I was so nervous, <laughs> but this flowed, I think, for yes. me, it did. Good. <laughs> I hope you learned something. I did. And we got to talk ghosts. Yeah. So. No, this is great. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for the story. Thank you for having me. Anytime. <laughs> You're always welcome back to Haunted Hometowns. Thank you. Y'all can follow the podcast on social media for photos related to the episode, guest info, upcoming news. 
Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode and go rate Haunted Hometowns if you liked what you heard. Send me your own paranormal experiences so I can share them on the podcast. Could be anything from the ghost of your dog preventing you from getting hit by a bus to your car taking control of itself and transforming into a robotic alien. Let me know and I'll meet you all back here in a couple weeks because everyone loves a ghost story. The theme song is by Tyre. Follow him on Instagram at Queer Popstar and go follow his career, T H A I R. The artwork is by Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M U N O Z. I got my information from Wikipedia, New Orleans Ghosts, Ghost City Tours, Newspapers.com, and Library of Congress. <laughs>